your parents know that you listen to the evil rock music. You're an American teenager, for God's sake. Welcome to Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. I'm Melissa Olson. Episode 111, as Marcel Proust would say. Normally, we'd discuss the soundtrack of Season 1, Episode 11, Paris is Burning. But today, we'll do something a little different. There's no commercial music in this episode, so I'm going to play music producer and select songs that I think would work well for these scenes and fit the Gilmore Girls aesthetic. Then we'll finish up with some new recommendations in the weekly segment, Spinning in Stars Hollow. So grab your coffee, it's time for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. With 10 episodes of this podcast under my belt, it's become even more clear to me how influential the music on this show has been in my own personal tastes. Gilmore Girls creator Amy Sherman Palladino served as the music supervisor of the series. She worked with her husband Daniel Palladino and co-producer Helen Pye to select every piece of music that accompanied the storyline. It was important to Sherman Palladino that the music feed the direction of the drama, not just act as a cue for the audience's reactions. She has been very clear about this in interviews, comparing music on the popular television shows to a laugh track just used to fill time and force a reaction. Gilmore Girls is also known for its distinct score, consisting of musical la-las composed by singer-songwriter Sam Phillips. For the score's instrumental arrangement, Phillips primarily used her own voice and acoustic guitar and on occasion included violin, drums, piano, and electric guitar as well. Amy and Daniel are huge fans of Sam Phillips. When they got the show, Daniel Palladino was the one who suggested they ask Sam to do the score. Amy thought it was a long shot, but was so glad that it did indeed work out, and even better than she imagined. We hear a lot of these interludes in this episode, since there's no use of commercial music. Amy Sherman Palladino has said the first time they met with Sam, she cut a bunch of cues, and one of her cues she sang on. Amy hadn't thought of Sam using her voice as another part of the music, but she immediately loved it, and now it's impossible to think of those little jingles without Sam Phillips' beautiful crooning. In a January 2010 interview with Stephen Foster for Houston's Outsmart magazine, Sherman Palladino described how she wanted the music, especially the ongoing Sam Phillips score, to sound very connected to the girls themselves almost like an extension of their thoughts. If they had music going on in their heads during a certain emotional thing in their life, if they were real people, this would be the music that was going on. Amy Sherman Palladino also stresses that she thinks that this is what elevated the show, because music wasn't a wasted element. Everything was trying to say a little something, add a little something to the show. In 2002, Rhino Records released a soundtrack to Gilmore Girls entitled Our Little Corner of the World, Music from Gilmore Girls. The CD booklet features anecdotes from show producers Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband Daniel Palladino about the large part music has played in both of their lives. Keep an eye out in the next few weeks for details on a contest to win your own copy at GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com. Loving you the way I do I know we're gonna make it 
Now, I'm sure if you've been listening that you've been wondering why I hadn't talked about Where You Lead by Carole King, the wonderful song I always sing along to during the opening credits of all seven original seasons of Gilmore Girls. Well, wonder no more. Today is the day we talk about this absolutely brilliant selection. Originally written in 1970 by Carole King and Tony Stern, Where You Lead appeared on the best-selling 1971 album, Tapestry. The song was inspired by the Old Testament Book of Ruth, in particular, chapter 1, verse 16, which includes the phrase, Where you go, I will go. James Perrone, author of the book The Words and Music of Carole King, points out that a shallow reading of the lyrics could suggest that the song reinforces stereotypes that a woman should not put her desire for a career ahead of pleasing her husband. However, Perrone goes on to say that the singer has actually made an informed and empowered decision to follow her man because of the life-changing impact the relationship has had on her. Carole King re-recorded Where You Lead to be used as the Gilmore Girls theme song with her daughter, Louise Goffin. Following the song's use on the show, it was titled Where You Lead, I Will Follow. Amy Sherman Palladino is quoted as saying, We were in that sort of mode where we're like, let's just ask everything of everyone and see who says no to us. Let's see if Carol King will do our theme song. And clearly Carol King didn't say no to them, and all seven seasons of the original run of the show feature her re-recorded version during the opening credits. You can find Where You Lead, I Will Follow, as well as many songs from Sam Phillips on the complete Gilmore Girls soundtrack playlist at gilmoregirlsoundtrack.com. Now for the main event, where I get to play music supervisor for an episode of Gilmore Girls that doesn't originally contain any commercial music. First up, we have a scene at Max Medina's apartment, just after he and Lorelai have shared a lovely dinner together. Wow, these are beautiful. Hmm. I never read Proust. I always wanted to. Every now and then, I'm seized with an overwhelming urge to say something like, as Marcel Proust would say. But of course I have no idea what Marcel Proust would say, so I don't even go there. I could do uh, as Michael Crichton would say, but it's not exactly the same, you know? Take it. Oh, no, it, it, it looks so valuable. Well, it's a book, it's meant to be read. You sure? Take it, read it. Okay, I will. <laughs> not now. What? I'd rather you didn't read it right now. But, um, what about my required reading? I won't make the cheerleading squad. Mr. Medina, is this my extra credit work? Because Missy just had to take a test. <laughs> My choice for music at Max's apartment would reflect perfectly everything we know about him so far. A Love Supreme Part 1 Acknowledgement from famed American jazz saxophonist John Coltrane. (laughs) 
Based on Max Medina's line of work, where he lives, and the types of literature he reads, this album would definitely be in his collection. It also seems like a fairly obvious choice as the soundtrack for a date. A Love Supreme was released by Impulse Records in January 1965 and became a top-selling album for Coltrane and one of jazz's most critically acclaimed recordings. It has often been viewed as one of the greatest albums of all time, a deeply spiritual work, and Coltrane's masterpiece. Based on the value Max puts in the literary masterpieces on his bookshelf, including Proust, I'd guess he would also collect jazz masterpieces. Next up, we see Lorelai getting ready for a date with Max as Rory tries to leave before he arrives. Mom, come on! Mr. Medina's gonna be here any minute! Okay, just tell me one more thing! Where's the silver dangly bracelet? I'm wearing it! Why are you wearing it? Because it's mine! No, right. Hey, can I borrow your silver dangly bracelet? I'll leave it on the table for you. Thank you. What was that? The doorbell rang! Why did the doorbell ring? Because someone's at the door? It's 8 o'clock. Who shows up at 8 o'clock for an 8 o'clock date? I imagine that a lot of the time in the Gilmore house, there would be a constant rotation of CDs with music flowing through every room. My selection for this scene would be Head Over Heels by British new wave band Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears is one of Lorelai's favorite bands from her teenage years, as we will discover during season three, episode 16. She recalls having a long running debate on the pages of her diary over which member of Tears for Fears she loved more around the time she was pregnant with Rory. Even at this point in the show, we can see this type of music playing a big part in Lorelai's life. Head Over Heels comes from Tears for Fears' second LP, Songs from the Big Chair. It's the eighth UK Top 40 hit from the band, peaking at number 12 in July 1985. In the United States, it was the third single from the album and continued the band's run of hits, peaking at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The song was also an international success, reaching the top 40 in several countries. Next, we have a music reference to discuss. The reference in question is a little off the main musical aesthetic for the show, but it's hilarious nonetheless. It's a reference to Puerto Rican singing sensation, Ricky Martin. This is about time you start doing a little getaway dance. Two months, right on the nose, you're good. I do not do a dance. You're cha-cha-chaing right now. I am not cha-cha-chaing. I'm being practical. Rory is starting to get attached to Max, and that's not good. Oh, Rory's getting attached to Max? Yes. And since I've decided that Max is probably not the guy for me, I think it's better that we break it off before she gets hurt. Practical? Yes. Uh, can I say something here? Of course you can. Cha-cha-cha. Stop that. Live la vida loca. Suki! This reference is important to note, as it comes from Suki. Throughout the show, there are subtle references to her more party girl past. This particular reference may be a stretch, because Ricky Martin was wildly popular, and not just with the party set. I like to imagine she's so familiar with the songs because she used to hit the salsa clubs after late shifts working in a kitchen at a ski resort. I know, I'm probably taking this a little far. Shake-a-bomb-bomb, shake-a-bomb-bomb. Hey! 
You will not stand there singing Ricky Martin songs to me. This is not a pattern, okay? I'm not doing what I always do. This is not the same. Actually, you're right. Usually you don't get so upset and defensive during the cha-cha talk. She's into superstitions, black cats and voodoo dolls. Ricky Martin began his career at age 13 with an all-boy pop group, Menudo. After five years with the group, he released several Spanish-language solo albums throughout the 1990s. Martin prepared his first English album in 1999 in an attempt to cross over to the United States market. The self-titled album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 and sold 661,000 copies in its first week of release, becoming the most successful album debut on the Billboard charts by a Hispanic artist. The first and most prominent single from the album was Live in La Vida Loca, which reached number one in many countries around the world, including the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Ireland, and New Zealand. Live in La Vida Loca is generally seen as the song that began the Latin pop explosion of 1999 and made the transition of other Latin artists like Jennifer Lopez and Enrique Iglesias into the English-speaking market much easier. Last up, we have a scene where Lorelai and Max meet at a coffee shop. And what coffee shop doesn't have music? Besides this one, apparently. So, I think Ohio by Damien Gerardo would be a great addition. It's been a long time A real long time mm. A real long know what to do here. I, I've never been in a relationship like this before. I, I'm not thinking straight. I know. Me either. That was a great kiss. Beyond great. Maybe we need to take a little time away from each other. Okay. You know, just to figure out how to do this so it's not so hard. Sure, that makes sense. I just, I don't have any other answers right now. No, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. I really, really like you, Max Medina. I really, really like you, Lorelai Gilmore. Well, as long as we have that straightened out. Goodbye, Lorelai. Ohio comes from Damien Gerardo's second album, released in 1999, Rehearsals for Departure. The last verse laments Gerardo's love leaving and moving back to her home, with the final line being, I'll see you sometime, which is the feeling we get as we watch Max and Lorelai part ways. I've gotten to know her, to live with, to love her It's hard to see her leave She belongs to her mother and the state of Ohio I wish she belonged to me See you sometime See you sometime 
It's time for Spinning in Stars Hollow, where I give recommendations for songs you may enjoy based on music we've heard so far on Gilmore Girls. You can always find these songs on the Spinning in Stars Hollow playlist in the show notes for each episode at gilmoregirlsoundtrack.com. First up, Get Up and Go from The Go-Go's. Get Up and Go comes from 1982's Vacation, the second studio album from American rock band The Go-Go's. The title track, Vacation, was a summer smash hit reaching number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100. Fun fact, Vacation was the first cassette single released in the United States, now called a single, and this format was meant to replace 45 records when vinyl sales were declining in favor of cassettes. Which still seems like it was a mistake if you ask me. This song, Get Up and Go, was also released as a single from this album, reaching number 50 on the Billboard Hot 100. I chose this song for Spinning in Stars Hollow because the Go-Go's are revealed as one of Lorelai's high school favorites at the end of season two, when Rory buys her a record signed by Belinda for a graduation present. I could see Get Up and Go being on the same mixtape as Head Over Heels and 16-year-old Lorelai's Walkman. Next, we have Cashmere from Toronto's Bad Bad Not Good. Cashmere comes from the fourth studio album, Four from Bad Bad Not Good, released July 8, 2016. A Prefix magazine review called Bad Bad Not Good a jazz trio on paper, but often strange, forever imaginative, and ultimately revolutionary hip-hop and electronic beatmakers at heart. Jarrell Tongson, in describing Bad Bad Not Good's hip-hop influences in a piece for the Huffington Post, wrote that the group deconstructs the four-bar loops, understanding how to work crescendos by stretching out and reshaping the music into their own version of silky smooth key progressions, pounding drums, and tasty bass lines. If I could see what Max Medina has in rotation on his iPhone today, he would definitely be playing the new Bad Bad Not Good record alongside his digitized collection of classic jazz. (laughs) 
Last up, we have Tenuousness from Andrew Bird. Another artist often heard in coffee shops is Andrew Bird. This song comes from his fifth solo studio album from 2009, Noble Beast. Bird grew up surrounded by classical music and was interested in Irish tunes and bluegrass from an early age. His other influences include jazz, swing, calypso, and folk. If this song had come out at an earlier date, it could easily have been the track I selected for the same scene in the coffee shop. It could represent the delicate state of Lorelai and Max's relationship at the close of the episode, feeling like a slender thread about to break. Tenuous. Here's the thing, start getting weird Watching this man who scratched the beer to home and To the mice, the shopping axes Brush up all the Uralics and taxes I'm Melissa Olson. Thank you for joining me this week for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. To read the show notes and to find the playlists for the complete Gilmore Girls Soundtrack and Spinning in Stars Hollow, visit GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com. This podcast is now available on iTunes. Subscribe to Gilmore Girls Soundtrack on your iPhone, iPad, or computer. Until next week, keep the coffee coming. Them you was plus Cheese and a superstition. Black cats and voodoo dolls. I've got a premonition. That girl's gonna make me fall. Bam, <laughs>